You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow, Inside Purple and Gold, or anywhere you get your podcasts, also on the Odyssey app. Tom, I mentioned Daniel Jones before the break. He's had a pretty damn good year, and I, I think obviously Brian Dable plays a big role in that. Mike Kafka plays a big role in that. Kafka's going to get some head coaching looks um, as early as this offseason. I think a couple of teams have already requested to at least speak to him. Um, about their head coaching vacancies. So the two of them have combined to kind of get the most out of Daniel Jones. Um, it was almost as if, I don't know if they they truly felt Daniel Jones was their guy when they took over, but they said, we're, we're going to lean into him. We're going to be as confident as we can, and we're going to get the most out of this guy. And they have. Um, he's been really good. And I, I think something that the, the Giants have done this year that's kind of unlocked Daniel Jones is they've got him out in, in the open field and they've got him running. And you might not think he is this athletic specimen because he, he looks like himself once. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Eli Manning. Yeah. And, but he he is. And I, there was one play in his rookie year, maybe it was his second year, where they showed him running in the open field. And I think he reached like 21, 22 miles an hour, like that yeah. just were in running in a straight line. So the guy has some speed to him. He has some dynamic ability to him. Uh, and, and Brian Dable has, has found a way to kind of harness that and use that to their advantage. Um, the game will, I think, start and stop with Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones is good, the Giants will be in it. If he is the Daniel Jones that we have seen in the past that kind of struggles, turns the ball over, can't be consistent, um, drive in, drive out, then the Vikings, I think, roll. Um, but I think more often than not this season, Daniel Jones has, has stepped up to the plate. Um, so I think in a game of this magnitude, there's no reason to think he's just going to regress back into the quarterback he was two years ago. So the Vikings are going to have to play good because I think Daniel Jones will play well. I think if you're a new coach, you have to think a little bit like within reason, which quarterback would you want as your holdover, right? Everyone's going to look towards the next um the next draft pick kind of the next time the the in this case the giants take a swing right in the draft mm-hmm, and try to get mm-hmm. the franchise guy but i think i think detroit's done this well too and i the vikings might be doing it with cousins a little bit um the the detroit turned goff into a serviceable quarterback right a bridge probably to the player they draft that they feel like is the franchise guy 
there's been a lot of praise of Daniel Jones from his former coaches, like that he's tough, right? And that like he has kind of these intangibles. He's literally just not delivering as a quarterback. I don't know if I hold out hope that there's this next level he gets to, but mm-hmm. it seems like he's in that like golf, Geno Smith, like think of these guys who kind of just, they don't hurt you. Right. They set a baseline, they set a floor. Everyone else has to elevate the team. Um, and I think that's not a great proposition for the giants that don't have a great roster. Right. And it's like, um, if anything to Jones's credit, he's doing well with the, the players around him, but he's uniquely set up to hurt the Vikings because of his mobility, right? Because they're not, because he's this tough player and they're not afraid to run him and expose him potentially to hits down the field. Um, and, you know, he saw it with fields, um, you know, I think guys who, who have wheels like that, who, who essentially they're their own check down, right? Like mm-hmm. they're functionally like the running back hovering around near the, the line of scrimmage. Um, there's something about how spread the field is, right? That traditionally you thought of like the the running plays draw the the defense in, um, the uh, the passing plays spread them out, and you act accordingly. Now the NFL, because it's not just on a tell, functionally acts like there's a passing play on every game, you know, right? It's yeah. like two high safeties, and you're moving everyone back and keep everything in front of you. That exposes the field to Daniel. This is gonna be a tough game for like Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks, and you know what I mean, guys, guys who are gonna be responsible both for receivers and crossers, um, but also for Daniel Jones and have to keep an eye on him. So um, he's you know uniquely set up given kind of the confidence he's built throughout the year, but also given his skill set too towards the Vikings, and that was something we talked about in the regular season game. So as funny as it says, and it feels weird saying it, you have to take. Daniel Jones seriously in this game he can hurt the Vikings he has to be contained I think you actually have to keep him in the pocket and make him make mistakes because he you can't allow him to come off his second read and just go ah just run for a first down you you really have to make him progress through reads and and make mistakes um throwing the ball yeah and and I think if you make him you know you keep him in the pocket you make him go through those reads you make him hold on to the ball like you're going to be able to generate pressure because that receiving core that he's throwing to is lacking in skill. Isaiah Hodges has been a nice story. Um, he's kind of mm-hmm. come out of nowhere and become like a pseudo go-to guy for Daniel Jones. Isaiah Hodges, like Richie James, Darius like- Slayton, like Kenny Galladay caught a touchdown. Like all of these guys, like at the beginning of the year, Kenny Galladay was, was the guy in New York. Um, alongside this rookie, they drafted Wandell Robinson alongside Sterling Shepard. Kenny Galladay is so far in the doghouse that he was playing in a meaningless Week 18 game. Wandell Robinson blew out his knee. I think Sterling Shepard did as well. So effectively, the Lions, or the, I'm sorry, the Giants are playing three receivers right now that were so low on the depth chart at the beginning of the season. And, and those are the guys that you are throwing to, that Daniel Jones is trying to work the ball to. Saquon Barkley, obviously dynamic out of the backfield. But when you look at, if, if you're just able to make Daniel Jones stay in the pocket, try and beat you downfield, beat you across the middle, I like the Vikings as, as much as the secondary has struggled this year. I like the Vikings secondary against that makeshift patchwork group of receivers that the Giants trot out. Um, and I think you have to look at that as an advantage when, when you go into this weekend is that like, the defense has had its warts this season, obviously. It, we can't talk about it enough. Um, I don't know if Tonatel will be back next year, regardless of what happens yeah. in the playoffs. But you have to look at this as like, 
this is an opportunity. We are better than, than a lot of these guys on the opposite side of the ball. Um, Cause I just, if, if, if the way this game goes, if you walk away from Sunday evening at us bank stadium saying Richie James really had a good game and the Vikings lost Isaiah Hodgins really had a good game and the Vikings lost. Then what are we even doing here? What was the last 18 weeks even for? Yeah. That fraud narrative would, uh, would pop up pretty quick. Um, yeah. I think, I, you look at like how Daniel Jones is catered to beat the Vikings. I mean, Barkley or any good running back is too. This is yes. why we talked about the opening script and getting out early, right? Um, if you do, it becomes harder and harder for the Giants to go. We're going to chew up clock either with um, running Barkley or even kind of like pseudo running plays for Daniel Jones or kind of give him the green light to take off with his feet after his first read, let's say. Um, make those receivers beat you. I you sh- We should have enough faith here that like, I understand the best receiver is going to be Patrick Peterson at this point in his career. We just seen that Watkins almost did it on the first play famously with the Packers. Uh, he had trouble with like Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, they don't have a guy like that. Peterson should be able to stay in front of all these guys. Duke Shelley. I think again, we talked about him. We should have confidence. He could um, shut down any of these receivers. They throw at him. and the Donatel defense in general should be able to shut this down. Remember it was a, 27 24 game it was as much they gave up a late drive and a two-point conversion as they also just didn't step on the gas we didn't see enough from the offense right so um uh, you know this is where you make a team play left-handed playing left-handed is making them be the with your receivers you hurt yourself if new york gets out ahead they have this stout defense that can kind of pin its ears back and jones and barkley run all over you so in some ways i know it's simple to say this right as we projecting into the game but at least it's not as confusing as another opponent that has a hundred different ways to beat you, right? This is pretty clear cut. You know, if you maintain a lead in this game, as much as they tempted fate in the last one, you should be able to win out. Yeah. Because like you said, like with the offense and the, you know, the Vikings offense going up against the defense, like the defense has a little bit more talent on that side of the ball. You know, I, I get the offense of the Giants has Saquon Barkley. It has Daniel Jones, who we've talked about. But I think it kind of ends there as far as playmakers. The Giants defense, like, they have playmakers. Kayvon Thibodeau is really coming into his own. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence um, up front. Like, they should be able to kind of generate pressure in, in the face of Kirk Cousins. But when you look at that game on Christmas Eve, like, to your point, Tom, about them kind of just stepping on the gas right away and, and, and creating separation, like Justin Jefferson torched him. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson torched him. Uh, the, the running game, as bad as it's been this, this over the past month or so for, for the Vikings, and, and that's going to be an issue, um, I think, if, if they can't get anything going in the run game. Um, I think that's something that, that could kind of derail any sort of a playoff push. Um, still, you should think that Dalvin Cook can get, the, get, get rolling here. Like, there, there's enough on the offensive side of the ball, coupled with the fact that I, I think the Giants and their playmakers on defense, regardless of their ability to get after the quarterback, uh, I, I think the secondary has proven, at least anecdotally, against the Vikings that they can't hang with the, the weapons that they have. Um, to your point earlier in the show, K.J. Osborne coming on, I, I think that could be a huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge development for the Vikings because – you would assume that most teams moving forward are going to try and implement more of a Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions model with Justin Jefferson. Jam him at the line, help over the top, take him away as as best you possibly can, and and then just kind of 
live with the results of if TJ Hawkinson beats you, if KJ Osborne beats you, if Adam Thielen beats you. Um, so the emergence of KJ Osborne should be big. Um, but I just don't know if anyone on the on the Giants can even check Justin Jefferson, regardless of help over the top right now. Yeah, no, I was looking at that box score because, again, these games bleed together because a lot of them are pretty similar. Um, Cook, 14 carries, 64 yards, and then Jefferson had 133 receiving, Hawkinson 109, and then it just dropped off, right? It was Osborne with 17 on three receptions, Johnny Munn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 Devin cook 13 adam thielen with six i mean i think you need even if it's Thielen's just a red zone threat you need something from an you need osborne to elevate right put a little more pressure on them um the other interesting thing is because you have irv smith back and i don't expect like a hundred yard game out of irv smith but you can use tight ends to chip right because you actually have two guys who who are um, available and flexible and should be good blockers right on, on uh mm-hmm. you know you can line them up in the formation so i'm not saying like Irv Smith is the X factor. I just think it enables something more creative because I think we're both convinced if cousins has time to throw, and this is not the cousins narrative. Everything has to be perfect. I'm saying he literally physically has time to drop back and throw the ball. He's going to torch them. They're not trying to contain Jefferson or even Osborne or Thielen in certain situations. I think they're saying cousins can't get him the ball right if 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 he has two seconds to throw or whatever so i think it does help having those two tight ends back and i think it also helps that osborne's really coming to his own late in the season so um i mean that's that's where it's like small things like that would actually deliver a different result because small things like that get you out ahead in the game and force the giants to play in a way, in a way they don't want to that's probably a good segue um into talking about what might low-key be the most important part of this weekend is like Tom was saying, if you can't contain Justin Jefferson, if you can get after Kirk Cousins, like you effectively take away Justin Jefferson. That's why the return of, I think, Garrett Bradbury might be big this weekend. It sounds like he's trending in that direction, mm-hmm. um, at least from the sounds of, of, of what, you know, is coming out of Egan and, you know, reports from Vikings camp. Like, as much as Garrett Bradbury was maligned in the offseason, he's turned into a pretty good center this year. And I think the drop-off, especially with backup center Austin Slotman going down and Chris Reed coming in, like the drop-off between Garrett Bradbury and Chris Reed is significant. So if you add Garrett Bradbury back to the mix, you're not going to have Brian O'Neill. Uh, but Ole Udo slash Blake Brandle coming back. And it sounds crazy that we're like, Garrett Bradbury and Blake Brandle could be the X factors this weekend, but they truly could uh, because I think you're going to get what you get out of Christian there. So I just saw a clip. I think maybe Luke Braun clipped it together um, of Christian there. just bench pressing um, some defense, some poor, some poor Chicago bears defensive lineman last week. Christian there. literally just pushes him over, um, looks at him and, and the guy goes flying. Um, you're going to get what you get out of the left tackle position. If you can get Garrett Bradbury up front, I think that does help Ezra Cleveland at left guard and, and Ed Ingram at right guard. I think those three players kind of function as a unit um, as we've seen um, what can happen when, when you lose Garrett Bradbury. I think him being back in there could help kind of for, like formulate just like the entire fortify the, the, the offensive line. And then whether it's Blake Brando or Ole Udo, you just kind of hope that that guy on the right tackle position stands up. Um, if the Vikings can get somewhat healthy on the offensive line, that's obviously going to help Kirk Cousins as well. 
Yeah, I, Chris Reed's been interesting because he literally couldn't do the most basic function, right? At, at least in the Green Bay game where he was forced into action, which yeah. was snap the ball. Yeah. He yeah. actually he's actually a good blocker, right? I mean, it, naturally a guard would be usually better than a center, but mm-hmm. um, but it is. I mean, I guess the saving grace here is that if Bradbury and we should remind people, like he, had, I think he had a back injury and then he re-injured it just like in a collision, right? A, a minor car crash. Um, if so, this is why that's been so extended, but like. If if he's able to get back in, the Vikings are in a better place. Fortunately, this first game is played at home. So you would think you don't have think of like Chris Reed stepping into San Francisco or one of these, you know, like historic um teams with these crazy wow. fan bases or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think I think they should be able to function with Chris Reed. Having said that, yeah, the, the fact that you get Bradbury back, and that's just how devastating the O'Neill injury is. That there's a reason why they paid him all this money right i think it's like a 95 million dollar contract and made him a captain and all this stuff is that like he is a difference maker and i mean i'm sure the vikings are asking the schedule makers hey can we have the outdoor games you know like early in the year because uh no matter the cleat thing aside and again i don't know if the cleats were related to the o'neill injury right we know that's why jefferson was slipping and some of these other guys like the the coaches were pretty upset with them um that they they were the five studs or whatever but like uh, regardless, it just sucks that he got injured in this game that ended up mm-hmm. being a blowout in part because of the conditions in the Lambeau field. So um, it, it's still it's still an uphill battle. I think the fact that they I think they made some sort of correction in terms of help um, against the Dallas game. So I guess the only positive to come out from a uh, the only loss they've had at home in this blowout loss against the Cowboys is that they learned how to protect Cousins without kind of a full set of the offensive line. And you should be able to implement that on like a poor man's version of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I I think at the end of the day though, like the more we talk through this game, the more it's pretty clear, like the Vikings are the better team. Mm -hmm. And if they can get out to a good start, as we've reiterated time and time again in this podcast, I think they're going to be in good shape. Um, Next weekend against whether it be San Francisco or maybe if, it's going to be San Francisco. San Francisco is going to beat Seattle this weekend. Yeah, and and if if somehow it's not, I think it would be against Tampa or, or Dallas. Like, <laughs> I, what I'm saying basically in in this roundabout way is that the Vikings are better than the Giants. They might not be better than the team they're going to play next weekend. They probably yeah. won't if they win. Um, but you have to look at this game this week as an opportunity to kind of just. Like you said, Tom, build some confidence, move forward, kind of put your foot on the gas and and, and kind of drive forward into the divisional weekend. Um, this should be a game the Vikings win. They're favored by three. Um, and, and I think if we are walking away from U.S. Bank Stadium heading into next weekend, um, the Vikings take care of business on Sunday. Anything after that is kind of house money. Like they're 13 and four right now. If they get to the divisional playoff, I think they will be the most doubted team in the playoffs at that point. Um, anything after that's house money, but you have to take care of business this weekend. Yeah, I think it's it's for the fraud narrative, right? I mean, like it, it, what I mean by that is if you if you win this game, you take that kind of out of the picture, right? And then and then it becomes are the Vikings one of the best three or four teams in the NFC? And I know the NFC is watered down, actually gives the Vikings a better chance, but I mean, it is the first year of the O'Connell regime. There's a reason why they switched head coaches and switched GMs. And so um, at that point, you go build a baseline, right? How do you grow from yep. there? And I, th- I think yep. um, 
I think from there, I mean, there would be people calling frauds or something, but like, I don't think that narrative narrative matters after that. It does if, especially if the Giants beat you in a one score game, then it's, well, you did it in the regular season when you knew there was a game the next day or not the next week, right? You didn't do it when it really mattered. And so um, in some ways, this is to extinguish the, the fraud narrative is go beat the Giants. Yeah. There you have it. Sunday, 3.30. We will learn a lot about this Vikings team. Uh, we'll be back later this week. Um, I'll be breaking down kind of the game with with someone from the Giants media. We're trying to lock that down still. Um, and then me and Tom will record Sunday. Um, this game that, will matter. This game will matter. Um, it's not something where we can just write it off. Like it's a Chicago, the Chicago game last week. If you were really, really looking for that podcast, we appreciate your fan. We're sorry we didn't bring it through. Um, but yeah, we will be back. Thursday with the Giants host or Giants guest. Sunday with me and Tom kind of breaking down a win or loss um, wild card weekend. Um, until then, enjoy the week. Um, doom scroll on Twitter if you want. I think this is a game that is obviously going to start to bring out the fatalist nature of Minnesota sports fans. Yeah. Um, but try and enjoy it. The Vikings are playing meaningful football in January, um, and they will be hosting a playoff game on Sunday. Um, until then, for Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani signing off for Inside Purple and Gold.